fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizzapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. It's me, Joe, and Michael Rathburn here with you, breaking down week one in DFS. We're finally here. Football is here. I know, I know. It's been a long, long, hot summer, and we've all been waiting finally to start putting those lineups in and getting into a little bit of action, as they say. Rathburn is like Christmas, baby, right? I mean, you're feeling good. You're finally excited. No more, no more theoretical discussions. Here we are, week one. It's time to do it, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, starting starting uh, Thursday night with the Falcons and the Eagles, so excited for that. And uh, looks like we have a lot of competitive matchups week one, not a lot of potential blowouts. The highest line is, I believe, nine, nine and a half with the Saints. So uh, got some Monday night games, Sunday night games. So, you know, it looks like it should be a competitive week, and that's always good for us. Now, let's start with the the big issue here, which is the pricing. We talked about it last week on the preview show is six weeks old. Okay. So the pricing is old. It's outdated. It's before preseason. And it's all to start getting some action on there and start getting people hitting the sites and, and getting in there. But really what you have here is a huge value, especially when it comes to the running back position, because a lot of guys that weren't necessarily going to have the job, have the job. Uh, and how is that really shaping up for you? When you look at this board and you say, okay, overall picture, what does that mean? Does that mean high ownership across the board? Does it mean a lot of traps where you might like a guy because of the cost, but really the upside just doesn't there quite as much as you might think. So how do you look at this, especially from the running back position with the outdated salary week one plus ownership? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things you got to realize is that, you know, there's a lot of people that get hung up on ownership and look, it's, you have every right to look at ownership and we'll certainly talk about some basic strategy for that, but because there's just so much value all over the place. Uh, I think don't get too hung up on ownership. Uh, it, it, look, James Connor is, and we'll talk about him. James Connor is in an incredible situation. Okay. Uh, if, if the player is jumping into a role where, you know, it's James Connor replacing Le'Veon Bell, um, let's not get too cute. If it's a situation where it's Alfred Morris, Matt, Matt Breida replacing Jared McKinnon and they're on the road in, at Minnesota, that's a little bit different story. It's a bad matchup and there could be over ownership on players in a bad matchup. Uh, Jordan Wilkins is an unknown. Just because there is a guy who's a cheap running back doesn't necessarily mean that that's a player that you have to automatically take. And so that's something that I would definitely caution people on is that we've seen time and time again, inferior players that are starting at the running back position and they just don't produce. Uh, James Conner is not an inferior player. He was a second round pick. He would have been a first round pick if he didn't have some off the field health issues. And he's in an incredible uh, offensive system. Uh, So let's not get too cute with some of these players. Royce Freeman would be another guy in that spot. And look, only only a handful of guys can be high-owned. So what's going to happen is uh, there will be players that get pushed down the ownership chart that are still great value, and you can still take advantage of it and not worry so much about having a guy in there like a James Conner. 
And you can offset those things at different positions. So I think that uh, the ownership uh, discussion is certainly valid, but I think people get overly hung up on it. Well, and, you know, you mentioned Freeman, too. There's a spot where you also have to recognize it's 2018. He's facing the Seattle Seahawks this week. And that defense is not what it once was. They've also had some injuries in the linebacking court, too. You see Griffin's going to play. You know, to me, that's one of those spots where you have to look at it and realize what you knew in the past or what you expected in the past is not the same anymore. And when it comes to Connor, too, with the Le'Veon Bell news, which was really the big news of the week. I mean, I, for one, was shocked he didn't show up on Wednesday. I did not think he was going to show up on Monday. I thought he was going to push the envelope even further this year. Turns out he's going to push even farther than even I anticipated. But when it comes to Connor, I mean, if you think he's going to be, let's say, 50% owned, which honestly, when you Cleveland is better than people give them credit for defensively. That right. defense was put in a bad spot last year many times by Kaiser turning over the football. And by the second half of games, they were just absolutely gassed. But how do you handle a guy like Connor who, I mean, I'm sure, especially week one with a lot of new players on a lot of people on there trying, you know, DFS for the first time, it's probably gonna be a very chalky play. How would you approach the Connor situation? Yeah, so let's talk gen let's just talk generalities and let's let's do some hypotheticals and some basic I love hypotheticals. Let's uh, do multiple, it. Multiple um entry scenario. So for basic math sake, let's say that you have ten entries that you're gonna put into a tournament. And you're projecting James Conner is going to be 50% owned. Again, I'm using basic math to make it easy. So the way that you want to approach it, you, do, you don't want to have James Conner on five out of 10 teams because you don't want to be where the market is. What you want to do is you want to have him on one, two, or three teams to be underweight, or you want to have him on eight, nine, or all 10 teams. I would prefer that you don't have him on all 10, but I would say like six, you know, seven or eight, whatever. Um, you want to be over what's considered overweight for the field. Um, you have no edge if you're with the field. So look, if he goes off and you have him on two or three teams, you're still okay. And you can still overcome it because there will be other players that go off as well. And not just him. So what you want to do though, is you can diversify the lineups by taking lower owned stacks or lower owned players. If, for example, you can take a player with a tough matchup, but they're an elite player with the opportunity to break out. Maybe a guy like a Leonard Fournette against the Giants, whereas it's a projected low-scoring game, uh, but he still has the potential of putting up 100 yards and two touchdowns. Right, or, you know the volume is going to be there too, especially. Yeah, so there's, the there's how the receiving core is going to work out. And Austin, Austin's Ferry and Jenkins dealing with a core muscle issue too, so they're very banged up. That could be certainly one where Fournette gets a lot of it. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you're saying here, and I'm going to ask you, Raph, are you somebody who – in week one would do the overweighting or the underweighting with Connor specifically. I'm going to be underweight on Connor. I agree. That's, that's where I was going to because we have options Uh, in a normal week during the season. You don't have as many options of running backs at that price. So I'm going to be underweight and we'll talk a little bit about the game. Uh, I'm not in love with the game and I'm not in love with the matchup. So that's why I'm going to be underweight on James Connor this week. All right, we're going to hit a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about our overall strategy for week one. What's the approach? We're also going to discuss Vegas lines and obviously how that's going to impact your lineups. You're listening to the pre-snap with Joe and Rath. We'll be right back right after this. 
The Pre-Snap Podcast is sponsored by TrackWiz. The ultimate horse racing betting companion is now available in the App Store and Google Play. Download now using promo code PRESNAP23 to get your first seven days completely free without a credit card and start betting like a pro. All right, everybody, welcome back to the pre-snap, getting you ready for week one in DFS. And uh, let's talk a little bit about your overall strategy week one. Uh, what are you spending on? What are you spending down on? I know, obviously, the running back situation we kind of touched on already. But for the rest of the positions, what's it look like to you here, Rath, where you're going to put your money and make investments this week? Sure. Well, look, in week one, you can afford to spend up where uh, there's not necessarily value. So we talked earlier about how there's all sorts of value at the running back position. And so you have to take that value. So what you can do is this is a week where you can look at spending up on a Brady or a Watson or a Rogers uh, or even a Breeze and feel safe with it. Maybe they don't have the 30 or 35 point upside that you're looking for, but they probably have a, a, a significant floor of 20 to 25 points that you can bank. Uh, I certainly would look at spending down at the running back position, but now that we've got two running backs and a flex, uh, week one, it does allow you to spend up for a stud and then go mid-tier or double value at the other running back position and your flex. So certainly you can be able to work the running back position that way at wide receiver. I find myself going middle of the road this week and finding a lot of guys in that five, six, $7,000 range. I don't find myself spending up as much. And, uh, as I don't, when you're feel- targeting those middle wide receivers, I'm always curious, you know, cause I know some people will tell you, well, you know, depending on the scoring of where you play and all that stuff, how important to you is the volume versus the scoring opportunity? Well, volume is certainly king on DraftKings because what you're hoping for is to hit the hundred yards in the three point bonus, which is right. huge. You know, three points is basically the equivalent of three catches and 30, you know, or three catches and or 30 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, three points certainly means more with a running back, but it's a lot less predictable. So certainly what I'm looking at is uh, I'm not as focused on touchdowns per se. I'm more focused on, on volume on DraftKings, whereas on FanDuel, certainly I'm going to focus more on touchdowns and yardage because it's half point PPR. Um, so that's what that's what I look at there. What I'm looking for is I'm trying to find wide receiver ones that are mid priced that are gaining an edge somehow because of a suspension, an injury, or a matchup. And we'll talk about some of those. Um, in terms of, I think there's plenty of guys middle in the mid tier this week that you can roll with. Uh, as far as tight end goes, I try to get very concentrated on tight end. And I think uh, I'm certainly all over Gronk this week and we'll talk about why, but after Gronk, I'm not in love with a lot of the higher priced options. Either they're not in the slate or I don't feel like the matchup is great, but there's a couple other guys, I think, and one in particular that I'm really in love with outside of Gronk. And again, I'm very concentrated at the tight end position. I try to narrow it down to two or three guys every week. Yeah, I'm with you on Gronk, and I'm with you to paint up too with Gronk and Brady without Edelman being there. Uh, I mean, I know Hogan, everybody's high on too, and I can understand some shares of him also. But, you know, to pay up for Gronk this week, I, I think that's always a question to Gronk or not to Gronk. And I agree, this is a week out of the gate, especially with the running back value where gronking is quite easy and, and safe 
I think as well. I think the upside's there for him. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Vegas take and stuff. You know, I know sometimes the line moves because of weather, because of wind and stuff like that. And I think the wind thing can be grossly overrated sometimes, unless it gets to a point where you have a quarterback who's really questionable arm straight. Yeah, it was like old school Chad Pennington who can't throw the ball 10 yards in a stiff wind. That's a problem. But outside of that, I find that to be very overrated. What you have here early in September is potential weather and some heat issues too. So any of these games weather-wise affecting uh, the way you might approach them? Yeah, I hear you on the win thing. However, um, we've got Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and right now they're talking about 20 miles an hour, and that is significant enough for me to pause. So uh, we'll get into that game a little bit, but uh, there's other reasons why I'm pausing on that game. And um, I just it's probably a situation where um, there'll be some players that I would look to fade and um, the way I think that game is going to play out. The other situation and something to certainly keep an eye on is the heat in the um, Chiefs, Chargers, and the Dolphins, uh, Titans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just keep an eye on that in terms of it could be a situation where you've got to, like the home teams are used to playing in it, but the road teams are not. And so it could be a situation where these players get gassed and, you know, it could have an impact on them. So um, it's not, it's not something that I'm completely uh, going to avoid. You're not avoiding, but it's not necessarily making, it's not making you feel warm and fuzzy at the same time. Right. Right. I just need to know about it. So that's kind of what we want to, we want to do and just, you just know that it's out there. All right. Let's talk a little bit too. you know, sometimes the West coast going to the East coast and going back and forth, less important in week one, because obviously there's a lot more time for teams to travel and get prepared and they're not in the rigors of the season. So not as big of a deal. Uh, Then you've also got, you know, the conference games versus the non-conference games as well. And you know how sometimes those divisional, you know, those, those rivalry matchups sometimes get a little bit tighter than people realize. So uh, looking at the board this week, do you see any games where you think might be upsets or changes or how that might affect the way you play DFS this week? Yeah, so one of the angles that I'll look at is you mentioned the division games, and that's certainly something that you want to look at historically and see how did a player perform, how did the team perform against that particular team because they know that personnel more than, you know, I see them twice a year, so they know it more than anybody else. So non-conference games are interesting in that for the road team, and you look at the schedule, and I know everyone's going to say every game is just as important as another and players don't take time, you know. But realistically, the, the, the games that mean the, last, the least in the NFL are non-conference road games. You have to win games at home regardless of where, where, who you're playing against. But road games, if they're out of conference, when it comes to tiebreakers for the playoffs and things like that, they don't mean as much. So what I do is I do look at that and I say, is this a situation where I think this team could be less motivated in the game and be down and not be up for the game? And I think, so we've got Jaguars at giants. The giants are a three point home dog. And I think, you know, I, I feel like this game is going to be, certainly the total is low. Okay because the Jaguars defense and run game is going to dictate the total based on what they did last year. However, uh, it's still the giants at home with Barkley with Beckham back. And I think the giants will be competitive in the game and be able to keep it low scoring and be able to hang around. 
And so from that perspective, it's, you know, week one home opener for the Giants. That crowd is going to be jacked up. The, the team is going to be jacked up. The Jaguars certainly aren't going to have any as near as much motivation in the game. So that's why how I look at that is I say, if the Giants are going to win, it's going to be a low scoring game. And how does that impact fantasy? I may not be on Leonard Fournette as much this week as I would be in other weeks. So that's how I'm looking at that. I'm not on any of the Giants offensive players. I just don't see any any value there. But how it, how I'm how it really has affected me is I have backed off of Leonard Fournette this week. All right. Well, that's fair enough. All right. And uh, when we're talking about how games have changed too, you've seen lines move. Uh, the Ravens open at minus four, now at minus seven and a half because of the quarterback situation here in Buffalo. You got the Saints uh, line that's moved two and a half points uh, with the Winston suspension. Obviously, for Tampa, they're going into the you know into the dome there. Uh, the Titans has changed. Also, the Vikings uh, with the McKinnon injury, which honestly, I mean, that line should have been around six and a half anyway to me. This whole right. not, this notion that Jarek McKinnon injury somehow is going to move that line two points is just. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, no, I, like, I what, where's the Jarek McKinnon narrative? I mean, is, is, is that where we're at? The Are we line, in the Jarek McKinnon? The line narrative? was soft. The line was soft to begin with because the, the public has been high on the Niners. Uh, so I think I know. Nothing, like, nothing like a couple of slop wins at the end of the season on teams that didn't really give a crap. You want to talk about non conference, unimportant games with two teams that, you know, were looking to the playoffs and not looking at all of the 49ers. And yeah, Jimmy G put up some good stats against, but now everybody's ready. So we'll see how he handles it now. I mean, it's just that was that that's the one line that's moved. That's mind blowing to me that I don't get where I was like, oh, really? Oh, because Jarek McKinnon's not there. I don't know. I, I think that uh, personally, I think the Vikings are are going to roll San Francisco in that building. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, one of the things you got to remember is these lines opened, you know, quite a while ago. So there is certainly. Um, you know, you're looking at some favorites, uh, home favorites where, you know, those numbers have been pushed up, which understandably, um, the, the thing that's interesting to me is the Steelers opens minus six. Now it's down to four. The total actually opened all the way at 47. It's now down to 45 and a half. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the Le'Veon Bell situation. We talked about the wind, but also I think what's pushing that number down is when you start looking historically at the situation, uh, the Steelers have a reputation for not being good on the road. It's a division game. Uh, the games historically have gone under. The games in Cleveland have gone under mm-hmm. in the series and in Cleveland. So that's what's pushing that number down. And again, it's it's a situation where uh, there's one player in particular that I certainly want to be on. And we already talked about my stance on Connor. And then there's some other guys I'm not going to want to be on. But, um, you know, I, I just think that. Can you imagine, of, by the way, if if they lose to Cleveland on the road in week one without Le'Veon Bell? I mean, the the fan base, you know, the panic mode or whatever it is might set in that. that look, last last year, week one, Cleveland hung in there. You know, like I said, the defense is better than people realize. And now they have at least, you know, let me put it to it's not great quarterback play, but at least somebody that is capable. I'm going to use the word capable because I, I do think that. And, and from a from a talent standpoint across the board with Landry, with Hyde, they're, they're, they've got some guys who have played in the NFL that, <laughs> you know, that can actually do something. And I think that this is a potential difficult spot here for the Steelers because I can see a lot of people saying, hey, no left bell. 
if I'm going to fade Connor, maybe I go with Roethlisberger and Brown. But I don't know if that's the way to go. I know Roethlisberger was better on the road last year, but the three years prior, he was awful on the road. Yeah, I just don't think it's a very good spot for the Steelers. And again, it wouldn't shock me. I don't know if they lose the game, but this game to me has got 1916 written all over it. And, yes, oh, 100% yes. You know, I, you know, maybe, yeah. So from that perspective, if you if you don't think that a lot of touchdowns are going to be scored, you're relying on yardage. And so, again, that's why I think, you know, Taylor doesn't make mistakes. So I think from that perspective, it's going to keep the game competitive. It's going to keep it close. Uh, they're going to want to lean on high. They're going to want to lean on Landry. I think the Browns, no doubt, can hang around in this game. It wouldn't shock me if the Browns are tied or leading at half. And so um, I think that the other th- narrative that some people are talking about is the fact that Todd Haley is the offensive coordinator in Cleveland and he was in Pittsburgh for a number of years and that he may have this game circled and be able to have a lot of insight as to, you know, how to defend that offense. So again, I would agree. Yeah. The game is close. It's competitive. It's low scoring. And from a fantasy perspective, I really don't want much of it except for one guy. That's not, you know, that, narrative can be overdone at times but with the right offensive coordinator it, it can actually really matter I'll, I'll harken back to a couple years ago that playoff game where the Texans came in there with Bill Bryant and they gave Brady fits in the first half of that game and then you know that, that game was tight that that was a game where the Texans should have gone in there and they should have beaten the Pats they were they had every reason at the half of that game. And of course the Patriots made adjustments, did other things and the Texans didn't make the adjustments and right out of the gate, you know, a couple of things go their way and then that's it. End of story. But uh, at times certain guys on the other side now, like Todd Haley, I think, look, this, this is Cleveland is hyped up for this. Cleveland is, um, you know, I'm not saying they're a good football team yet. I'm not going to say that about a team that didn't win a single football game and only won one football game in the last two years. However, I do think the culture is starting to change over there and it's not because of hard knocks. It's just because they're starting to add more actual talent to the roster and that's going to make a significant change. Now I want to talk about the Colts Bengals because on the surface, this seems like a game that you go Colts Bengals, you know, roll your eyes at, but the uh, 48 and a half (laughs) expected total for this game. And with the fact that, you know, sometimes the high totals do allow for the stacking. Is there even a point too where we talked about tight end I know it's like, I know it's a name that, you know, in the past, but he's a guy that all he does is score touchdowns is a guy like even Tyler Eifert enter into your psyche this week because of that ability he has to just get in there, get in the end zone. And that's what you need for a turn on investment in a tight end. Yeah. I've been going back and forth on him. Um, and, and look, Indianapolis has not been great historically against no. the tight end. So um, Eifert is certainly somebody I think only in a stack is, is where I'm going to be looking at. And we'll talk about that later, but look, um, I typically have not, I, I don't look ahead. I, I started looking at things about a week ago, a little over a week ago. And, you know, I, I kind of look at the board and I say, what jumps off to me from a gut perspective? And this game jumped off the board to me from a gut perspective because um, the total was like 45, some some places it was 46. They got to 47. They got to 48 and a half just overnight. And the funny thing is I was talking about this game over a week ago and it was all over the Bengals. And I think that 
the luck factor is why the Colts are favored in the game. I don't think they should be favored. I think this game should I don't be either. Not with that offensive line. Yeah, and that it should be line. pick them. Oh, I think Geno Atkins is basically going to set up a cot on top of Andrew Luck on Sunday and just like lay on yeah. top of him. That, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a terrifying thing. And, and who knows if Luck can even make it out of this week one game without getting completely, you know, run into the ground. Yeah. So let's talk about why I feel like there's value on the Bengals initially. Uh, because they're an underdog, a lot of people aren't going to look at them. A lot of people will automatically go to the heaviest favorites and stack those. And I think that's why there's value on the Bengals, because when you look at the projected total, it's not at the top of the board. However, when you look at the matchup, they're going against one of the worst defenses over the last three years. And that's something I take into consideration. I don't just look at the previous year. I take a look at what they've done over the last three years. I take a look at personnel changes. And I, I factor all of those things in. Uh, so the Colts give up a lot of points. They give up a lot of points in the air. And that's why I think the Bengals, to me, are a very attractive team this week because the ownership's not going to be at the top of the board. The matchup is great. And certainly they have the potential of putting up a 30 or not more against the Colts. And that may not, you know, that, that offers a lot of value. So, uh, we'll talk about that, but initially that was my gut, and that's why I look at the Vegas data, and I and I dig into it, and I see where where are the numbers moving. Uh, has it moved yet? Um, it's funny because when I started talking about the game, the total was lower. Now it's jumped. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that I moved it. Obviously, I didn't. I didn't bet on it. I'm just saying that other people were looking at the same thing and made moves to move that line ahead. So my thinking was on the right path. Yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, I'm looking from a defense standpoint too. The one thing that you could say Cincinnati does well is that front is good. And with a questionable running game right now, with a questionable offensive line, with a questionable health of a quarterback, there's a lot of reasons why I think this could be a long day for the Colts. Let's talk about some injuries too before we hit a break here. Uh, we know the Cowboys offensive line has had some uh, issues. I mentioned earlier some defensive injuries in Seattle. Any other injuries that are affecting the way you look at the board this week? Yeah, I don't want to get into individual injuries because we could go on okay, and on, well, maybe, on about yeah, that. Well, let's, let's go. Is there a collective? Yeah, uh, so like, like I, think, I think something that people are overlooking this week is the situation with the Panthers and the Cowboys. The Panthers have had numerous injuries on their offensive line uh, and, and also lost players to free agency. And so their offensive line is not very good right now. And we've got a lot of people that are focused on Christian McCaffrey and pushing him into the first round and redrafts and, and putting him in DFS lineups because he's cheap. But both offensive lines in this game, the Panthers and the Cowboys have been hit with injuries and losses in free agency. To me, what that means is teams are going to have a very difficult time scoring and moving the ball. And I think this is going to be an extremely low scoring game. I think it's going to be the lowest scoring game of the week. And so I'm not going to have any exposure to the game. And that's pretty much, you know, where, where I'm at with it. All right. Now, look, if you're going to use uh, any tool, you want to be using the line star app and check out all the wide receiver cornerback matchups as well. And uh, so download the line star app and that'll help you also make some of these decisions. And some of these players we're talking about between two guys at the same price tag, you're looking for a tiebreaker, look at the matchups they have. Uh, and the line star up has that for you. So we're going to hit a break. When Rath and I come back, we're going to talk a little bit about QB strategy and the running backs that you want and the ones you want to fade. You're listening to the pre-snap right here 
with Joe and Raph. We'll be right back right after this. The Pre-Snap Podcast is sponsored by LineStar. Dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit LineStarApp.com now and start your free trial. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's get to QBs. Let's do it up. We've already mentioned a couple. Uh, who is your pick of the week? And look, as we do this, I want to remind everybody, too, we're a little bit different. You've heard us go a half hour now, and we haven't even mentioned a price. And that's because playing DFS is not just about the price of a player. It's about analyzing the board. It's about analyzing what's going on out there in every single week with these teams, how it's going to affect uh, the play of these players. and then working into lineups and working at players. So as we have talked about last week, we're going to streamline things for you here. We're not going to go through every quarterback on the board. We're not going to do all that. We're going to give you the picks that we like and the reasons why. So Raph, let's start with quarterback. Who do you got this week? Sure. Uh, well, as you may already have uh, hinted at or, or picked up on is uh, I'm all over Andy Dalton this week. And yeah, like you said, Joe, this is not us picking everybody at the top of the board and just saying, Hey, play the chalk and play the most expensive guys. That's not that's not what this is about. At the quarterback position, you want to find a player that is just has an incredible ma- incredible matchup, incredible price, and really you think can go for three hundred yards rush, uh, three hundred yards passing, multiple touchdowns. And does the scenario set itself up to where he's going to be in a passing environment, or if it's a running quarterback? Uh, you know, is that running quarterback in a, in a great spot where he's going to be able to have the ball and move the ball? So I don't see that situation this week with a running quarterback, but I do see it. with <laughs> Except for Russell Wilson running for his life, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, it, might, yeah. it might not be an organized run. It might be a disorganized running. But again, that that's a whole different can of worms. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, so Andy Dalton's my guy this week. I love the fact that it's in a dome. It's on turf. It's against one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, I love the fact that the passing game is concentrated, so it allows me to really be predictable with stacks. And again, he's a three-point road dog. It wouldn't shock me if that number starts to move. It wouldn't shock me if that game is zero or uh, one by game time, which is, you know, certainly is going to impact ownership. It's going to push everybody on the Bengals a little bit more. But as it stands right now, $5,800 on DraftKings, $6,800 on FanDuel. Colts had the highest YPA last year on, allowed on defense, seven games of over 295 passing yards. And on DraftKings, 300 is the magic number. You get an additional three point bonus for quarterbacks that hit that 300 yards. So you may have a quarterback that's in that 22 to 25 range. He pops 300 and now all of a sudden he gets 25, 28. And that actually means a lot, especially in large field tournaments, three points and picking up bonuses is huge on DraftKings and tournaments. All right. You've also got uh, some love or, or at least a discussion for Tom Brady, who line starts projecting as the number one and Kirk Cousins projecting at number three. I, I mentioned Cousins earlier in that Minnesota game to me. Uh, that's certainly one to look at. He's at home looking to show out a little bit. I think they're going to like, they're still going to split the, the carries a little bit for those backs coming out of the gate, even though cook is been cleared and ready to go. I think they're just going to, you know, slowly work them back in there. Cause there's no reason not to, because that defense is good enough and that team is talented enough. So for me, I'm looking at Minnesota and Kirk cousins uh, being able to put up a big day. Also getting close to that 300 number. Let's talk about Brady too on the more expensive side of things and how willing we are to go up and pay their crap. 
Yeah, so when you're looking at the number one, look, Aaron Rodgers is in the uh, Sunday night slate. Mm-hmm. So he's not in the main slate. Right. So you're looking at Brady and Breeze as the top guys on the board. Uh, certainly don't mind Breeze, but I think that he's more of the floor play with not a lot of ceiling in that game uh, because the, I don't know how many points Tampa Bay is going to score on the other end. So if we think the Texans are going to hang around and Brady's going to throw, um, certainly you want to be in a situation where he's got a high projected total, which he normally has at home when they're a favorite. Uh, they've had pretty good success against the Texans. You know, they typically hit 30 points every time they play. He almost hit 40 points last year against this defense uh, We in week three. I know Houston has some guys back, but I think they know this team, uh, you know, just about as good as any other team in the AFC. And over the last 17 games that Brady has had at home, with a projected total of 28 or more, he's getting around 23 points a game. and so. You know, he just doesn't have duds in this spot. Right. You get so what you he, pay for. We always, right. we talked about week one, paying the premium and getting the premium is not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. So, you know, again, Drew Brees just may not throw enough to get to 300 yards and get you to the, you know, get you there. So uh, that's why I'm looking at with Brady. And again, uh, if you are going to take Brady, uh, I think you almost have to have Gronk paired with him every time you take Brady. Uh, you have to have Gronk with him and you don't necessarily have to have Hogan, but I think you have to have Gronk and because he has such an edge of the position. All right. Let's talk about the guys we're fading to who might be traps. I think Roethlisberger is a huge trap this week uh, for the concept of, well, without Le'Veon Bell, maybe, you know, the ball's in his hands a little bit more. Uh, I think that's a very dangerous game to play. We talked about it on the road, so I don't want to go too much on there. Uh, Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson, though, those are two I do want to discuss more. Uh, I mentioned Russell Wilson running for his life, which could be a boon for fantasy owners, but tell me why you think that still makes him a fade on this slate. Yeah. I just think that it's a very bad spot for Russell Wilson. Uh, Always a tough place to play too. I mean, mile high. Yeah. Playing in Denver is hard. It's probably the hardest. Like, again, we talk about non-conference road game. Oh yeah. Uh, this is a situation where this game doesn't mean very much to Seattle. And now they're going into an environment that they really don't have any familiarity of and the, the altitude and everything that goes along with it, along with the fact that this Denver defense, while they did, uh, you know, fall off a bit last year, there's still a lot of underlying numbers that show this is still a top defense in the NFL. We have a Doug ball, you know, their corners are still strong. They're going to be able to shut down these wide receivers. Yes, Wilson will probably have to throw a lot, and he certainly could just rack up volume, but I think that he's also in line for some turnovers, and that's going to stall drives. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to you know, kill touchdowns, and so I think what's going to happen is Denver is going to be able to run and move the ball against the Seattle defense, build lead, and then rely on their defense to really withhold Wilson. So I could see Wilson getting yardage, but I could see there the touchdowns not being there. And so for me, that's why I wouldn't be on him. Well, you know, let's go over to the running backs too. Or, or did you want to even talk about luck? You know, no, like I, I said, on his back, flat, Geno Atkins on top of him, setting up shop with a cocktail, just sitting on Andrew Luck. That's that's what I picture happening to him on Sunday. Let's talk about the running backs. And your lead here is a guy that I think is exactly the kind of week one target you want. Everybody's 
you know, high on some of the, the big names and the other people are high on the guys at the other end of the spectrum, the sexy, you know, let's all go in. It reminds me of a couple of years ago when Jordy Nelson got hurt. Everybody was on Devontae Adams before Devontae Adams really was ready. And it was just so much on that. And I feel like that's kind of how we're entering this week too. But you starting with Alex Collins and I look at that capability for him to carry the ball 30 times in a game where the Ravens should absolutely dominate possession. This is a no brainer for me. And I love this first one because I feel like I haven't heard anybody talk about Alex Collins for this week. He's my number one running back. And when I say number one, I don't mean he's going to finish number one. I no, mean, he's your number one in terms of, you know, the guy that you want in a lot of lineups because of right. your investment potential ownership. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Every, everything, it, all of it, you know, he's not sexy. <laughs> you don't have a huge upside. It's not a big offense, all of those reasons. But at the same time, we would talk about carries, talk about volume. Why, sh- why wouldn't Alex Collins get the ball 25 to 30 times? Uh, the only reason is if they have a big enough lead in the second half and that they decide they don't want to run him into the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, you know, they yeah. go with Dixon and Allen, which is certainly, look, in, in that case, that means he's probably got 120 yards rushing and two touchdowns. <laughs> right, so you're already happy anyway, I agree. Yeah, so I'm fine with that. I just think that this game plays up to be, you know, like 24-7 or 24-6. I think the Bills are going to score less than 10. And the Ravens should be able to put up 24, 27 points, be in control of the game, have field position throughout, and be able to rely on Collins. I don't think that they need to rely on the passing game so much. I think what's going to happen, though, is they can get a lot of chunk plays uh, through the air with Crabtree and with uh, Brown. To, to be able to move the ball from the 20 to the 20 and then really just pound Collins in the red zone and be able to move that way. So, again, I think Collins has a shot at 102 touchdowns, and at his price, I'm all in. All right, let's talk about uh, some of these other running backs you have here on the list. Uh, we got Melvin Gordon with the big workload, too, which makes a ton of sense. Uh, you've got James Conner with the highest ownership. We already kind of discussed our thoughts on Conner, so I don't want to go back on that one. We touched on Royce Freeman, too. Great value, bad defense, but the low total. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at that, and I'm going to ask you, do you think that that makes Freeman more appealing or less appealing with that total? Uh, more appealing. Uh, certainly when you have a, a home favorite with a lower total, the run game is going to be more uh, advantage to you. Uh, and so with Freeman's price and the fact that he's going to be starting and it looks like he's going to be a three down back because I don't have any faith in Devontae Booker. I think Freeman now Freeman may not get a hundred yards rushing, but I think Freeman has a shot to get a hundred total yards and a minimum of one touchdown with an outside of two. But he, to me, he's the ideal running back, uh, you know, between him and Connor, those are the two flex backs that you want to rely on heavily this week. I, I really like the talent of Freeman. I love the matchup. I think they're going to rely, you know, again, if they've got a big lead in the second half and Wilson's going to want to throw, I think they're going to want to keep the ball out of Wilson's hands. They don't want any kind of comeback and they're going to want to pound Freeman down the throat of the Seahawks defense. So that would be the way that I would see that game playing out. All right. Alvin Kamara, obviously going to be very popular this week as well. Uh, they're big home favorites. He's, you know, on the turf in the dome, no Mark Ingram. There's a lot of reasons to like Kamara. Uh, is any ownership scaring you off at all from him? Or you think that's another one of these premium investment, premium return. And we're, yeah. Is he going to be a top three owned running back more than likely he will be. However, 
it's not going to be gross where the ownership should be spread because there's just so much value. Well, I think that's the thing this week, actually Kamara might be lower than you might think because people might say, Oh, it's a chalky, whatever. And I look at all this value. Meanwhile, sometimes when you, sh- you know, when you shop in the bargain bin, sometimes, you know, you, you end up with some sort of food poisoning. You know what I mean? 20, yeah. If he's 15, 20% owned, but he has upside of going off for 30 points. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I agree. Don't, don't uh, be focused so much on the fact that he's going to be a top three owned back. Look at the percentage. And again, I think that we're going to see a long tail when it comes to ownership percentage at the running back spot. There may be one guy that stands out in Connor, but for the most part, I do believe that there will be a long tail with ownership and then you can take advantage of it. All right. Uh, uh, Kareem Hunt, two great games last year against the Chargers, but different quarterback this year. Uh, we know Joey Bosa too dealing with that foot injury. It looks like he's going to play, but still um, maybe they're not a hundred percent where they like to be on defense right now, the chargers, but uh, are you concerned at all with Kareem hunt from last year, burning that team twice? Does that make him a good play or a bad play? Are they more prepared and look, Nagy's not there calling the plays anymore. So how do you feel about hunt? Cause I think he's another divisive one. I don't want to touch him, but I think you do. So I think Hunt's ownership is going to be depressed a little bit. And I think the way that this is going to play out is the Chargers defense is is very good. Uh, it is a division game. Casey's on the road. I don't think Andy Reid is going to want his quote-unquote rookie quarterback. As to I carry the water, right. I think that you're playing into the hands of the Chargers defense if you start chucking the ball all around the field. Uh, you don't want Mahomes dropping back and throwing deep balls because he's going to be exposed to the Chargers pass rush. I think what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to establish Kareem Hunt in this game. They had success doing it a year ago, significant success doing it a year ago. I think they're actually going to want to lean on him even more in this spot than they did a year ago because of the quarterback and because of not wanting to expose Mahomes. Now, I do think they're going to take their shots deep and so would Mahomes Hill be something to consider? Maybe. But I think that uh, Kareem Hunt does offer a lot of interesting value this week in that his ownership is going to be depressed. And he does have the uh, the upside of putting up a 25 or 30 point game. And so, you know, again, we talk about getting an edge on the field. That could be one that separates uh, from the field. So that's what I'm looking at there. All right. Let's talk about the fades too from the running back position. We mentioned Leonard Fournette earlier. You talked about him, talked about Wilkins too, just not a great spot with that defensive line. I want to talk about Elliot. Uh, now, obviously the injuries to the offensive line, the center specifically uh, for that line, certainly troubling from a Cowboys perspective, but really he is the main weapon. So take me through why you're fading Elliot, despite, you know, the injuries and everything. Is it just the injuries to the O line? Is it the Denver defense? Is it the fact that it's over in uh, Carolina? Do you feel like Elliot? I mean, looking at it too, if, if a man is the offense, can he overcome all of these issues? Or do you think it's just too many things for him to overcome against the Panthers? I think that it's a very bad matchup for the Cowboys coming out of the gates. And that, it's a situation where, yeah, Elliott may get a ton of volume, but his yards per carry and his touchdown uh, ability is, to me, is extremely uh, limited in this spot. Uh, again, I think that the way that uh, the Cowboys in the Panthers game is going to play out, I think it's going to be a very ugly game. I think the game could be 30 points or less. 
uh, if it gets to 33, maybe, I mean, I think there could be a lot of field goals in this game because of the offensive line issues. I think, you know, Dallas doesn't really have anybody where I think they can take deep shots with. So I think Dallas is going to have a very difficult time moving the ball in this game. I do see the Panthers taking shots uh, in this game deep, but again, I think they're going to, they're going to pick their spots. I think it's going to be a lot of Christian McCaffrey. It's going to be a lot of Greg Olson. It's going to be a lot of Cam Newton running on second and long third and long. But again, I don't see, I just don't think the Panthers are going to have a lot of plays in this game. I think this game is just going to be, you know, a very ugly ground and pound kind of game. And I see very limited upside with touchdowns. And so when you have two teams that are going to run the ball or dump the ball off a ton, it's just a game that I don't want any part of. And I think there's just too many options at the running back position. And it's just a week where I'm going to be off Elliot. All right. Let's talk about wide receiver and transition there. Let's start with Keenan Allen. Uh, over with the Chargers to uh, projecting market share with him and looking at, you know, the potential there. We know volume is never a problem with Keenan Allen. So take me through why you like him this week. Yeah, that's huge. So going against a a Kansas city defense, a pass defense that has been shredded uh, in the past was shredded in the preseason looks even worse potentially. Yeah. You've got a wide receiver. That's a target monster. You've got a tight end situation that is, you know, them signing Antonio Gates off the, the oh, scrap heap. You could say it. It's all right. Well, I didn't want to say scrap heap because well, well, look, he's, but look, uh, to, to think that he can come in right away there and just, you know, it's not Antonio Gates from eight years ago. Let's be honest here. You know, I mean, they're going to wheel him out there and, you know, wheel him out there in a wheelchair and he can run. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's always got to do with the uh, it, it, Look, man, it, with no tight end and with no real look, they don't have a guy like Keenan Allen. They don't have a second or third wide receiver. Their second wide receiver right now, it's either Mike Williams, who's a big red zone, deep, you know, deep, uh, red zone guy, or it's Tyrell, who's a deep guy. So from the 20 to the 20, it's going to be Allen all day long. Allen could look Allen has these games where he just goes nuts. Oh yeah. He's a guy that can win a week for you. Like he's a guy that uh, 15 recept, you know, 12 to 14 receptions, 150 yards and one or two touchdowns. You know, that's the kind of week that he can have. And And then the full PPR, that's, that's a huge. Yeah. And you're getting the full PPR, you're getting a hundred yard bonus. I mean, you know, for Keenan Allen to get to 25 points, it doesn't take a lot. No, and Michael Thomas looking like he might be a good lock for that too, uh, considering the the rest, there's no tight end there really. The secondary wide receiver options there. I mean, Cam Meredith did not look good in the preseason. I know Traquan Smith, a lot of people are high on, but we haven't seen it yet. So Thomas, a good one too. I want to hit on Emmanuel Sanders and talk about him from a value standpoint. That's a guy in season long I drafted almost in every league because for some reason people just didn't want him. And I I look at what uh, last year, the case Keenan was able to do with Adam Thielen. And I go, well, why can't he do that with Emmanuel Sanders this year over in Denver? No doubt. No doubt. It's I mean, all it's like about the same guy, practically in terms right. of it's skills. all about, it's all about role. It's all about price. It's all about how he fits into your line of construction. And look, if you're paying up at the quarterback position, you're paying up for Rob Gronkowski, you're going to need mid tier wide receivers that are going to provide floor and Emmanuel Sanders fits that criteria. All right, we're going to hit a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a guy who could be the number one wide receiver of the week, and uh, as much as I don't love this guy, 
I'm going to agree with Raph. Who is that guy? Well, you got to stick around and find out more pre-snap right here on the LineStar app right after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar. Transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. The pre-snap, Joe Pizzapia, Michael Rathburn. All right, we talked a little bit about that Bengals game earlier, and you believe, and and with good reason, too, that A.J. Green could indeed be the number one wide receiver this week, point total-wise, despite Andy Dalton's mediocrity <laughs> throughout his career. Uh, you know, I, I can't disagree with this. I mean, Green is another one of these guys we talked about, Keenan Allen. Sometimes A.J. Green has these, monstrous games and then goes dormant for a while but this certainly is starting to to shape up at least on paper as one that could be a monster and they love hitting them deep too like yeah. in andy Dalton. And they have no winners there. i mean that that's that that's like what it, i mean look i know this is you know hot take whatever but would it shock you if the first play of the game is no. it is it is it <laughs> i already know where you're going with it no no yeah, no 80 yard 80 yard bomb boom no. done and, and and there you go and right there that makes up for the rest of the day of andy dalton mediocrity Right, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some big plays in that game. And don't be shocked if there's at least two touchdowns in that game of at least 50 yards. Would you consider, I mean, I know we're going to get to some stacking later on, but would you consider potentially uh, the idea of putting Green, Eifert, and Dalton all together? Yeah, without a doubt, because okay. it's uh, it's kind of what you talked about with the touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, with Eifert. You know, Green going eighty yards and then somebody tackling him at the two, and then they turn. If, around if Eifert, Eifert uh, his yeah. price gets to look, if, if Dalton throws four touchdowns and two of them, you know, one go to Green, two of them go to Eifert, and one goes to somebody else, you don't want to be left out. So the way that the way that it, we'll talk about stacks and the way to play it, but yeah, you're going to want a piece of some of the thir- the third wheel. Of the stack, I think you're going to want to you want to want to divvy it up. Yeah, I like the third wheel of that stack in particular because it's a tight end. Because if you're not going to pay the top of the board, Eifert to me is just one of those guys where you go, okay. I mean, if he says he's healthy, and like this is why you know people take their negative connotations with players in season long, which I understand. He's always hurt. Well, he's not hurt right now. He's right. playing this week right now. He's cheap. There's potential there. It's just idiotic not to go. Antonio Brown looks like he's going to be a volume hog, but that's always Antonio Brown. Uh, you say keep an eye on the weather, which I, I understand certainly for that one. Stefan Diggs uh, in this one, you prefer Diggs to Thielen in this one this week? Yeah, based on what the we're big seeing. Play, right, big play potential. Chemistry. Yeah, the chemistry with uh, with Cousin. Cousin. Yeah, it looks like it's been you know th- these guys have been peanut butter and jelly. Uh, in the, you know, so that from that perspective, I think you really gotta you know look at that and say, well, you know, that's uh, you know. That's certainly uh, something that I want to, you know, feeling. You want to uh, take a bite of that sandwich. Say it, Raph. That's what you want. You want a bite of that peanut butter and jelly sandwich for the big glass. Of yeah, chocolate. I mean, I think, I think also the way that because their offensive line has issues, and I'm not in love with the San Francisco defense, and I think the Minnesota Vikings defense is just going to impose their will on the Niners. It wouldn't shock me if, with Cook not being maybe a hundred percent. Look, the game plan for the Vikings, I think, could be let's air it out early, let's get a lead, right, and, and let's and then let's share just, the load with the two running backs. I exactly, I agree. exactly. We wouldn't be shocked if 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 Cook and Murray split carries in the game just based on script, 
not based on not you know, based yeah not based yeah, on what you so want that's to why do. i don't want any part of dalvin cook this oh. week but all right what about yeah. kenny stills you want any part of him with uh parker out yeah and part i want of me sometimes wonders is it better to have parker there just from a you know standpoint of changing the you know uh, more guys on the field always makes it easier for a guy to get open but uh do you like kenny stills this week yeah you gotta like kenny stills because of where his price is on both sites and again we need to find some mid-tier Look, I told you I'm looking for wide receiver ones with mid-tier pricing in pretty good matchups, and Stills fits that. And you know, with uh, I think I think Tennessee's going to struggle in that game. I really do. New offense on the road. So far, know. what we've seen doesn't look good. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they might put it. It's possible they put it all together, but right now, uh, I'm it not buying it. Wouldn't shock me if the Titans lay an egg. I think yep. they're going to lay an egg. I think, and, and look, and Miami can get to the quarterback. I mean, you know, Cameron Wake can get. I to don't the understand why the Titans are favored in the game. I don't either. To me, if you're looking for one, and we know that there's, you know, those options out there too now on on the sites to uh, to Google sports booking. Uh, I'm telling you right now, there's one upset that I think is is a, <laughs> I don't want to say a lock, but certainly one that I got my eye on. All right, your value plays of the week. You got Danny Amendola. Uh, again, I guess talking from a volume standpoint, without Parker there, he moves up the depth chart a little bit more. And Keelan Cole, Cole, I, I struggle with that one. I understand the the you know the Bortles with the slot guy tends to be the guy you want to go with, but I still feel like Dante Moncrief is the veteran is where they're going to rely on. So I, I'm with you on Amendola, but Cole, I struggle on. Convince me of Keenan Cole. Go ahead. Cole's a tough one because uh, I, I, I'm very concerned about his ownership. Look, there's not a lot of wide receiver ones that have cheap price. He is by far the guy that's going to jump off the board more than anybody else. I think Cole's ownership is going to be that people are just going to plug him in because it works. So that's why I said value play. I didn't necessarily... I don't have a lot of expectations for Cole and look, if he gets four for 30, it wouldn't shock me at all, but that's still seven points. And his, I, I think to me, uh, it's certainly cash game relevant. It's not tournament. I would have zero ownership of Cole in tournament, but I would absolutely need a piece of him in cash. If I'm paying up for a Keenan or, and or Gronk. So that, you know, or a Gordon or, you know, how I'm building the cash lineup. If I'm paying up in certain spots, I need to, I need salary relief. And he does, he is a guy that provides salary relief. So that's why. I understand Faden Beckham this week, but uh, is Hopkins a trap? You know, that, that's, that's the question. Because if you think they're going to be behind in this game, potentially, does that make Hopkins more appealing to you? Or is it just from a, a price perspective and the way the rest of the board looks at wide receiver that you don't like Hopkins? The thing about Hopkins is historically they've been able to shut him down. He hasn't had monster games against this defense. The Texans offensive line is one of the worst in the league. I don't think Lamar Miller is there. They're not going to like the Patriots don't go into this game saying Lamar Miller is going to, going to beat us right, because the offensive line is so bad. So they're, Right. Well, gonna, that's what the Pats do. They take away your best weapon. He's their best weapon. And that's how you, you know, that's what they're they going to force Deshaun Watson to beat them. And I don't think he can. Uh, I think he can certainly keep the game competitive, but it wouldn't shock me if uh, this is a situation where Hopkins just does not have a monster game. And it wouldn't shock me if Fuller outpointed him. Uh, is Hopkins going to get volume? He's going to get volume, but I don't think the TD upside is going to be there. I think they're going to be able to take that away again. Historically, uh, they've been able to keep him in check and 
that's what I'm going to rely on with that. There's too many other guys at the top of the board to take chances where we have history. All right, let's hit the tight end position here. We've been talking about Gronk. He's got the upside for 100 yards and two touchdowns. No Edelman. Cooks is gone. Lewis is gone. He looks good. He looks like he's ready to go. Uh, great stat here you pulled, too. 17 games at home last three years for Gronk. Uh, 10 games with 16 or more points and six games with 23 or more. So that's certainly a matchup uh, that we all like. Delaney Walker, a guy we really haven't touched on. Again, I'm, I'm still a little sour on that Titans offense, so I'm going to stay away from that. But uh, you want to talk about historically bad versus the tight end. The Dolphins are uh, 28 of the last 46 games. Uh, he has scored 12 points. Uh, Jordan Reed is a guy that I'd like to talk about, too. Uh, because just like Tyler Eifert, who we mentioned, who we talked about had upside, you know, we, some of these tight ends we've already discussed kind of default as we were talking about quarterbacks and some other gameplay scenarios. But Reed is a guy we haven't talked about. A lot of people want to bring up how good Alex Smith is with the tight ends historically. And when you talk about price, we talk about ownership. Reed kind of settles into that no man's land where I would agree with you. I think he does become appealing. But what's your take on Jordan Reed? Absolutely love Jordan Reed this week. Uh, hey, it's a good spot. I mean, let, let's be frank. I mean, it's a good spot. I think, hey, look. It, it, it is it, on the road, but still, you know. I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Um, ponder this lineup construction. Okay, I'm pondering. Double, double tight end. Pondering double, double tight end. Ah, and Gronk and Reed or Gronk yeah, and I'll I go Gronk Reed. Look, Reed is 4K on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. 15 points per game on average. His last 32, eight have gone for 25 or higher. That is, is healthy enough right now in your mind to make to hit that mark. That's six X. He's got a legitimate shot. Look, six X is the ceiling. That's I huge. You. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm with him. And it, look, if Patrick Peterson's going to shut down whoever it is that he's going to be on, look, it's well, if not Gronk is if Gronk is very popular this week, which we all think he will be. I mean, Jordan Reed is the perfect antidote to that. Like, if you're looking at a game script and people are on Eifert, or you're looking at you know big premium guys, Gronk, I think Reed completely flies under that radar. Yeah, I think Jordan Reed to me uh, definitely sticks out is is a big time play. And I think that if the Redskins are going to look, uh, Alex Smith loves tight end, went to Travis Kelsey a ton. So I, to me, oh, Jordan Reed, yeah, Jordan Reed, I'm going to have a lot of Jordan Reed and I wouldn't be shocked if I get a lot of double tight end lineups. Again, the double tight end lineup differentiates yourself from everybody that's putting the running back, the chalk running back. If right. the lineups, the lineups that you don't roll James Conner in, think about Jordan Reed at your flex. I, I love it. I And this is a week where it makes a lot of sense, too, from a price standpoint of how things are. All right, we're fading Evan Ingram and Travis Kelsey with good reason. We kind of touched on those games already. So let's hit the defenses. Uh, Ravens, obviously, against Peterman. Now, I don't expect him to throw six picks in his first six throws or anything like that, but it's probably shaping up to be a long day for Buffalo. Ravens are going to be a popular choice. Uh, the Jaguars, obviously, you know, I, I think the Giants' offense is a lot better than people giving him credit, but Jaguars D is what it is. And I think that we all will respect that. And if it's a tight game, don't be shocked. We talked about the Broncos as well. Um, all kinds of issues with that O-line to me, the Broncos are a prime one in terms of defenses, but you've got one on here with the lions against the jets too. If you're playing on the Monday night, which I think is a fascinating one. So take me through the lions pick here. Uh, 
home team favored big favorite against rookie, rookie quarterback. quarterback yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> with a head that's shaped like a lego head Got yeah it. i just think that, you know look you want to the really the, if you go back and look historically at, at team defenses there's a couple of trends that really stick out it's you want the heaviest favorites with the lowest totals and you also want to target the worst quarterbacks because you want sacks you want interceptions and potential touchdowns you know pick six fumble recovery and it all adds up so you're playing the percentages and the lions certainly are you know again i threw them on there only because they are the money they are the monday night but look if you play a slate that incorporates that uh game it doesn't mean that you have to own any of the other lions you can just take the lions d and have everyone else in your sunday so you know, just keep that in mind. All right, let's talk about some of the stacks right now. We've mentioned the Bengals. What's your favorite Bengals stack here and how you want to lay that out there? Does it have Mixon in it? Does it have Green, Dalton, and Eifert? How, how do you lay this out? So initially, I was Dalton, Green, Mixon until we started talking. I started thinking about it. And I think I'm leaning more towards Dalton, Green, Eifert. Uh, again, because when Eifert's healthy and his price, uh, that really, that really, I think... As much as I love the upside of Mixon, I'm still hesitant. And, and with good think, cause. And it's not, I don't think you're hesitant because of Mixon. You're hesitant because of Marvin Lewis. Yeah. You know, I, and just, I, I think I Mixon might to return like, it, but it's going to be like one of these, like it could be one of these sloppy ones. Like you said there, they've got a lead and they sit on it and it's going to be, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust for a lot of just kind of controlling the football at the end of the game. Maybe. I just envision a situation where Mixon plays. Mixon <laughs> breaks uh, breaks one or two. Oh, that's and, very possible and if he does then you know now you now you're looking at well look if you're playing multi-entry then that that's that you, you try both sacks in, in two yeah. different ways let's talk about the chargers uh we talked about the pairing of rivers and allen do you want to put gordon in there as well or do you want to keep gordon separate from these guys yeah it's kind of tough because uh typically you don't want to pair running back and, and quarterback it just doesn't usually work out that way but because there's no volume, look, where's the volume going? And it does sound like they're going to throw the ball to Gordon a little bit more based on what well, Gordon was pretty good in the passing game last year. You right. know? So if, if I feel like the thing is, is if, you know, rivers definitely is a shot at getting 300 yards and Gordon certainly has a shot at getting hundred yards, rushing and multiple touchdowns. So Rivers could easily go 300 and maybe only throw one touchdown and, and maybe or two and, and it could be to Allen and, and Tyrell. But I think that there's also a big opportunity here for Gordon to go for 101 or two touchdowns. So I just want to look at the whole game. Um, I'm still deciding on whether I'd want a piece of the Chiefs on the other side. Uh, if I did, I would probably look at trying to squeeze in Tyreek. Yeah, I can understand the Tyreek Hill one just got one off because he, he's always that guy. He's the guy that doesn't need volume for a big day. And I think that's why in DFS, he's always, hey, look, I, I was in his rookie year, even I was very on Tyreek Hill. A lot of people told me I was crazy. I said, look, man, he, he is the tournament play because he needs one touch of the football. And they people say, well, he doesn't have enough targets. Um, he doesn't need it. And that's what makes him so special. All right, let's talk about the Vikings too. How do you want to stack this one out? Do you want, yeah, I, I mean, I'm guessing you want Cousins and Diggs. Or would you even consider going all three here? I want all three. I want. Oh, you, you greedy son of a gun! 
I love yeah, it. Give me, give me the trio. Give me the volume. I think the huge percentage of volume is going to be concentrated to the wide receivers. No different than what it was a year ago, except I think we're going to get more volume. And again, I think that they're going to air it out early. And I think that they're going to want to put the foot on the gas with the Niners and then be able to run the ball in the second half. So it wouldn't shock me if, if the Vikings are up 21-3 at halftime. All right. We told you, too, we all think – there's a good chance that that Steeler game is a giant trap. We always like to give you the trap game of the week or the trap DFS play. Uh, you know, just because Le'Veon Bell is not there does not make James Conner Le'Veon Bell. There's going to be a lot of discussion about him, a lot of ownership on him. Also, Ben Roethlisberger, we, we mentioned, you know, the road worries in the past. Last year was much better. I give him credit there. Cleveland a little bit tougher and they give him credit. It's an in-division game. It's on the road. There's so many reasons why you just this week don't need any Pittsburgh Steelers and and I'm with you. I mean, I love Antonio Brown. AB can play on my team anytime, but there's a lot of options out there this week as well. All right. Any final thoughts before we uh, part ways here, Mr. Rathburn? Uh, no, I think we covered it. I like the fact that this is not the chalk show and uh, you know, we're not giving you a hundred different plays. I think we're concentrated and we look, I want to take stances on players because look, if you listen to this podcast and you take a stance on the players that, are, that we're talking about and they hit, you're going to come back and you're going to want to listen next week. If they don't hit, it's, hey, that's part of the game. But again, we want to identify opportunities where we feel like there's huge, huge, you know, over people are just overlooking a situation on a player and, you know, be able to profit. And that's what I think we can do in week one. It's more than just the who, it's the why. And that's what we're bringing you here on the pre-snap. All right, that'll do it for us. Make sure you check out all the great stuff over at LineStar and the LineStar app. You're going to need that. Subscribe to the podcast, please, for the love of God, if you want to be with us here for the next 16 weeks here, we have got you covered. So subscribe to the pre-snap with myself and Michael. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at FantasyRath and at JoePizzaPia17. For everybody here at LineStar, we want to wish you a happy week one of playing DFS. Pre-snap is over. Set, down, win. Thanks for listening to the Pre-Snap Podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia on the LineStar Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at linestarapp.com and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.